Hi, this is Christopher Daniel Barnes, and I was the voice of Spider-Man on Spider-Man, the animated series, and you're listening to The Amazing Spider Talk. Two men who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Yes, Dan, and I'm Mark Giannacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog, and currently an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Why are you laughing, Dan? I can see you on the other side of the computer. Uh, well, you're very enthusiastic uh, about your intro there, but yes, Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this special Essentials episode of Amazing Spider Talk, our 25th one, Mark. Oh, my goodness. Are we almost done? We are almost done. Five to go. We hope I was going to say, I thought, we were, I thought we were going to pick 10 each. We're up to 25. Yep. We did 15 each. Well, ah. well, we hope all you fans out there enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yeah, for this episode, we'll be discussing my pick for the Essential Spider-Man comic, which is uh, Heroes Don't Cry, also known as Peter Parker Spider-Man number 35 by Paul Jenkins and Mark Buckingham. Then we'll have a quickie Swarm's B-Title reviews, and then we'll head on home. All right, Mark, I can safely say that I'm no hero because the story Heroes Don't Cry made me cry. But does it have the power to make our essentials list? Let's find out. Wow, Dad, that was some tortured logic, but I love it. So, Mark, Heroes Don't Cry, number 35 of that awesome Paul Jenkins, Mark Buckingham run. Uh, why, of all of their awesome comics, why this one for The Essential? We talked about another one of their their comics. Yeah, uh, I think that was one of your picks, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is, I think, it's a good pick, too. But uh, why Essential for this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of like with the comic we talked about with you – um, and then also with Kitty Collects comic books, uh, Kitty Collects Spider-Man, which I know was one of yours as well. I, 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 I guess this was kind of like my, um, representation from that group. Um, you know, I think what distinguishes that comic from some of these other kind of relating the real world to Spider-Man ones is, um, you know, <sighs> 
sometimes with the, those other comics, there's kind of this level of self-awareness to them that, that can make it feel a little um, too cute. But, uh, I mean, for me, I still think it's important in in a story that's kind of as big and all-encompassing as Spider-Man to have these moments where we, we acknowledge why it's important that Spider-Man exists, both in the fictional world but in the real world. Mm-hmm. And that's what, what this comic does. Um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a edgier, rawer version of Kid Who Collects Spider-Man. Um, I think it's actually a little more culturally, culturally relevant um, than Kid Who Collects. Um, at least today, um, you know, heroes don't cry for, for the uninitiated. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of focusing on an inner city child. Um, and I, I hope I'm not using inner city the way that certain politicos are these days. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's a young, a young black boy in a broken family, you know, mother who seems to be on drugs and involved with crime and whatnot. Um, but you know, it's his, it's his connection to Spider-Man that kind of keeps him, keeps him motoring and keeps him thriving. And, and, you know, he kind of has imagined this relationship with Spider-Man, um, which is kind of a much different take than what you get with Kid Who Collects where, I mean, you know, our understanding in that comic book was Tim Harrison actually had that, um, interaction. It was real, um, in, in, you know, in terms of that comic where this is, you know, we are under the impression this is more in the mind, which I think in, in its own way is kind of more, more relatable today. Um, where I think, you know, children who, who are struggling in various ways who maybe glom onto certain heroes. I mean, I guess they kind of imagine that, you know, they have these relationships or, or, you know, it's, it's, the lessons that they learn from these heroes that what's helped them out. And, and, and so like from that reason, I kind of like felt like it, it, it feels very, very culturally connected and aware and relevant. Um, and then I guess like the last thing that I saw that made this get on my essential list was, um, you know, and, and granted we saw this more, um, it manifests itself with, uh, Miles Morales when he um, showed up in 2011. But, um, you know, one of the big messages of Spider-Man and what has made Spider-Man unique for so many people is this idea that because of um, the fact that he's this masked character whose secret identity is such an essential part to the character that, you know, big part of the mythology is that anybody can be under that mask. And, And, you know, that was definitely realized in miles when it was an you know a half african-american half latino uh, or half hispanic um individual was the new spider-man um and in in terms of heroes don't cry it's very on the nose in terms of um you know when when the child meets his spider-man in the flesh and the, and and that character takes his mask off it's it's another um black man who who is spider-man and and you know i think like that has always been a part of spider-man is why 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 so many people relate to him is because you really can be anybody it's 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 you can see anybody there it doesn't have to be um you know a white brown haired 
teenager, you know, it could be an, uh, an adult, it could be whatever. Um, so the fact that like these, that all of these elements are so artfully and, and, and kind of with the reverence are represented in this comic, I felt like this is, this is one of those things that given where we are in the world and what's going on, like, I think like it's important to have a comic like this in there. And I think it's important to have a comic like that in the list. Now that sounds like very tortured logic. I apologize, but it's kind of like, this is, this is one of those comics that transcends comics to me, um, which might make it sometimes maybe not as easy to um, verbalize for a list like this, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you said it better than, better than I ever could. Um, you know, I've read this, comic twice this year um even before we decided to put it on the list um i was rereading uh you know uh jenkins and and i guess largely mark buckingham's run and it's just full of of titles like this and this one really you know even more than uncle ben in baseball and all that stuff this one yeah. really stands out um it's very emotionally powerful and when i was reading it this week to talk about it you know i was reading it next to my fiance and i kept like Pointing over to her like about you should check this out. You know, like this this book is really more than just kind of like capes and and things. Oh, I guess Spider Man is never about capes, but you know, right. <laughs> um, yeah, th- yeah. There's a real world um, thing to this, and and I think about uh, the Amazing Spider Man two movie, the one scene I'm always championing where. The kid in the alleyway is about to get beat up by the bullies and Spider-Man springs down and saves him and then's like, tell me about your art project, what you're working on. You know, this has kind of got that similar thing where it's like this is truly the heart of why Spider-Man is powerful as a, as a figure in the comics and and also as like I guess like in the real world. But it's also kind of the essence of why people read superhero fiction as like an escape and that's kind of literalized in this case although this in here it's a it's a a, a card that that he has of spider-man mm-hmm. um that is kind of his entry point and uh my entry point to spider-man was also cards i collected the you know marvel fleer ultra and all of that stuff in the 1992 to galaxy collection and all that stuff. Mm. Um, that was my entry point to the character too. So there's something special about that. I was going to say, like, I, I, I really like the, the meta awareness of this comic and that this kid's connection to Spider-Man is not the comics because I, I think for the vast majority of the world, their connection to superheroes isn't comic books. I mean, it hasn't been since the early 90s probably, right? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I mean most people we talk to that are like our age, their entry point was probably, uh, you know, John Semper Jr.'s TV show. That, right. You know, 90s Spider-Man show. Yeah, exactly. You mean your age. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably still stuck on the comics, but no, actually, my my entry point for Spider-Man were Secret Wars action figures. Yeah, I mean that. I, I mean they they were not the comics. I mean I I had action figures first, and that's what made me get comics. God, Mark, you're uh, so old. The, the, I know, you right? Have TV when you were a kid. 
I know, right? Uh, <laughs> you just saw lights flickering on the walls of your cave, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, I, I, I like, like, I, I really, and and you know, we talked to Paul Jenkins um, on the show many moons ago, and he's probably someone we would love to have back at some point just because you know what we know now versus what we know then (laughs) (laughs) i think that was in our like first 10 episodes yeah exactly but 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 the fact of the matter was i mean he was someone in terms of you know i feel paul was was disenchanted by the um the norms of the current comic book industry and and how it tries to hook new readers in and you know i think his attitude is it doesn't hook new readers in it's it's really just kind of caters to hardcore readers um and um yeah i i i you know using that information and then kind of like reading it in 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 um in companion with this comic it's like yeah of course it would be a trading card for this kid because you know what what little boy in a in a kind of crappy situation at home has time to read all of the um current machinations of the clone conspiracy dead no more spider-man <laughs> when they just have it from a trading card um so i i actually really really love that in retrospect um among other things with this comic. Um, what else? Just talk to me some more because you – I think you I, – I feel like you actually kind of discovered these comics in real time whereas I, I – a lot of these comics kind of were in that in-between zone for me as a reader when I was like in and out of, of Spider-Man. So um, even though this is my pick, I almost feel like you have a more closer connection to it than I do. Yeah, I mean, Jenkins' run alongside, like, Straczynski was kind of my, like, welcome back point into the world of Spider-Man. I think I was so um, disconnected from Amazing. You know, uh, I I tried picking it up at the relaunch of, you know, Volume 2 and was so disappointed with that that, like, Peter Parker Spider-Man jumped out to me and that was – yeah, I mean that and Straczynski – Straczynski's what hooked me back. But I would say Jenkins is kind of what got me collecting again. Um, I bought this regularly and I remember reading this book when it came out and like – you know how it is. A good book comes out and I feel like I was a lot like this during Brand New Day where it's like something totally just you know, sideline you – know, it, it catches you in a blind spot, you know? Um you open this book and you have no idea what to think uh, about it. You weren't expecting it in any way. You know, in the same way the brand new day every other week it was some bizarre new tale that you you weren't prepped for. This is before I was reading solicits and all that stuff. So this was a genuine, like, thrill and a kind of thing that you, you want to share with people. Um, yeah. As to the content in it, um, I mean – I don't know how politically I, aware I was at the time. I think I was probably a pretty naive person. Um, but you can't help but connect to this young boy's tale and you know that of his mother. And while it's kind of cliche, I, I would say, 
the way that Jenkins writes it and the dialogue is so full of heart that you quickly overlook that. Yeah, and 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 there are little things that he does that I feel that kind of like overwrite the cliches of the boy's story itself. Like, I mean, one of the things I really love and I kind of like caught on to more so when I just reread it for this episode was like how even before we unmask the Spider-Man in this comic, like he, his, his dialect and, and, and just his, his overall demeanor, Spider-Man's is like so foreign, but like it also feels so genuine and for this boy, like so necessary um, because again, like this is, this is how this boy has envisioned Spider-Man and, and like, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter that he's not talking like he doesn't talk like Roger Stern or Tom DeFalco Spider-Man because that's not who this kid Spider-Man is. Um, and, and like, again, to the larger point of this comic, I, I, I you know, Spider-Man is so much bigger than anyone's Spider-Man and, um, you know, I, I feel like we talk about that a lot. Um, not, I feel like Dan, you and I try and rise above that, but this sense of, you know, ownership of who Spider-Man should be and has to be and will always be. Um, and this comic kind of thumbs its nose in the face of that idea and does it in a way with that has so much heart and authenticity that I think to disagree with it almost makes you a bad person. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like who who are you to disagree with that? If that's what, if that's, I mean, this boy in this in the span of this one issue becomes so real and so sympathetic and so tragic that if if you're really going to disagree with how he sees Spider-Man, I think there's something wrong with you. I really do. <laughs> I mean, it's like... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, this character is so... And his world is so fleshed out. It's the kind of thing I almost wish there was more of it. I don't know that I it, would, it could sustain two issues, but I do think that, like, getting to actually the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of the issue um, and the plot contained within... You know, it kind of gets involved with, like, his counselor and his, like, aunt and uncle who want to adopt him and so on. And I do think the story wraps up a little too quickly um, in the end with his mother kind of passing away – or not passing away. She gets killed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's kind of all not seated particularly um, strongly. But you don't really care because that final page is just such a wow – like if anything was deserving of a splash, that final page uh, is um, maybe one of the best splash pages in all of Spider-Man comics. Um, but mm. uh, yeah, I, I think one of the moments that stands out to me talking about people being bad people is um, I love the moment where the counselor that they've been talking to says over, to the, over the phone to them that um, he's doing all that he can um, to help the kid. Only to reveal that he's headed out on the golf course, and um, I think about this image a lot, and um, and and the sentiment I guess behind it, and and Paul Jenkins' kind of criticism behind it, because I think we live in a culture where, like, uh, I mean, I guess today, uh, not when this book came out, but um, where posting to Facebook, like, for most people, is enough to claim that they're engaged with making the world a better place. 
And mm. the most they can do to make the world a better place is to say that they tried without actually trying at all. And um, I think while it might be represented here in a somewhat arch way, uh, that, that cultural critique uh, of this moment and the entire issue, it still stings every time I read it. It's, it's really sharp, really spot on. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, like, this this comic is very ahead of its time. I think, like, yeah, I, I don't know if 10 years ago I'm picking this comic, if that makes sense. I, I But I feel like now more than ever it's critical on a lot of levels. I mean, you know, like, I, I, I feel that the rise of Miles Morales makes this comic an essential one because it kind of, like, it seeds that idea, you know what I mean? Like, like... This idea that that Spider-Man doesn't have to be what Stan Lee and Steve Ditko saw Spider-Man as. I mean, what do you like? Tell me about that for you. I mean, like this idea, like, I don't know. Did you I mean, we're we're I mean, let's let's not dance around it, Dan. We're two white kids from suburbia. You know what I mean? Like we saw Spider-Man a certain way, but like. Do you think you know people who saw Spider-Man differently? I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do. I mean, I talk to them all the time, even if even if it's, the difference is just, you know, like, even if they're the same as me, a white kid from suburbia, everybody has their own interpretation of the character. And, and you know, people get into fights with us all the time, disagreeing with us because they, you know, they see the character different than, than we do. And that's totally fine. Everybody's allowed... Their own interpretation. Even Dan Slott has a different interpretation of yeah. the character, and I think that's often where we come to blows with him. Um, and you know, I think it's always wise to take a step back from that and and be like, you know what? Like, you're allowed your own interpretation of the character. Um, but then there's also people like Ron Friends, whose interpretation of the character is going back to his essence. You know, it's why there's some creators that we think really get it because they like they look towards the past but specifically in this instance yeah i mean i think that's a large part of the appeal of the character and i'm not sure if at the time reading this comic i picked up on the idea that like spider-man could be anybody under that full mask you know but uh i think it was like bendis's uh ted talk speech that kind of put that idea most for you know formally in my mind um but but yeah, that that final page, it, it yeah, it, it can't help but spark ideas about about who is Spider Man and what does he mean and who can he be. Yeah, um, do you feel? You know, we talked about this with Kid Ukulax that there was kind of like a a gut punch and with the reveal in there, and that it was like earned versus unearned. Um, you know the 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 kind of twist of tragedy in this storyline with with the mother dying and um do you feel that this is all earned or um you know do you feel that there are some cheats here in this storyline uh i think it's earned i mean i think i think it's earned because both kids are so fully fleshed out as individuals um i think lafrance is probably even more fleshed out than tim harrison as as a character because not only do we, you know, both of them are kind of children who are react like reacting or stuck with fate. Like both of them aren't, you know, like necessarily active 
characters in their destiny. You know, like they, they, they've been dealt bad, a bad, you know, deck of cards, so to speak. Right. Um, but like LaFrance, like we don't only see, you know, what, you know, he, like his kind of like, I guess, always renewable optimism in the face and, and perhaps blind naivete in the face of what's going on or just youthful naivete. But what I like about this book is that we're allowed access to his dreams, you know, and, and there's a great scene with his aunt and uncle when they visit the counselor and see his drawings that he does of his family. Um, Mm. and the, I guess the airplanes and stuff like that. And, uh, and it's all kind of like, an interesting it speaks to this kind of damaged psyche that this kid has definitely all right do you have any other big thoughts on this one dan what do you think about um mark buckingham oh i i I mean i i i think he's probably one of the most underrated spider-man artists (laughs) that we've had over the last 20 years i mean like you know, you look you look in a vacuum, and I guess there's nothing that individually where, that makes you that truly stands out um, about his work. And yet, when you then look individually, issue by issue, and then in the context of certain stories, like it's just like there's just so much emotion and sincerity to what he ends up illustrating, and maybe that has a lot to do with the stories that Jenkins was doing. But with that said, I think that um, Jenkins was at his best with Mark Buckingham. No offense to Umberto Ramos. Um, I mean, like most of my favorite Jenkins stories were with Mark Buckingham because it's just like, you know, Jenkins was such a cerebral writer to have this artist alongside him that just conveyed these emotions and and made you feel for these characters because of how real he made them in their world. Um, that that's everything to me. And he goes back to the kind of Dicko nine panel pages too. Like everything is broken down in very, you know, specific sequential boxy images. There's something very classic about it that I think, you know, goes along with Jenkins's, writing this kind of very formalized artistic style. Definitely. It's a great issue. If you haven't read it, I mean, I don't know what you're listening to us for. Go read it. Yeah, definitely. All right, Dan. Well, why don't we move on to some current issues? Permanently covered in bees. Actually, he's permanently covered in bees. He's coming for this podcast. He's coming for you. He's coming for this podcast. He's coming for you. It's time for Swarms B title reviews. It's time for Swarms B title reviews. Come down and mark. It's your old friend Swarm back. I uh, don't have a terrible lot to say today, but I just wanted to mention that, um, I have been hanging out with some friends of mine in Russia, and um, they might have uh, hacked your podcast recently to uh, help elect me to your new B-title review. I hope you're okay with that. I, I'm, I'm amazed that you're admitting that, Swarm. Uh, 
that seems like something you would probably want to deny and and keep under wraps. But does it matter if I deny it? Because I'm here. <laughs> I guess we are stuck with you no matter what. Well, uh, Swarm, are you, are you going to be buzzing around for this episode? It's like, what are you going to do? Get some electoral college to deny me? Come on. That's not the system. Uh-huh, exactly. Exactly. What are you going to You're going to have a recount? You're going to get some Green Party person to have your recounts for you? Come on. <laughs> I am here, and we're going to talk B-titles, because that is the buzz. Achtung! Well, he Mark, seemed... you were just stunned into silence during that. I know, I know. Well, you know, oftentimes, well, you got to remember when when Swarm comes over and starts taking over the the microphone. I'm I'm not just dealing with Swarm; I'm also dealing with bees. So I kind of like clear out. It's only when he like gets extra feisty that I have to like kind of stick my nose in it, you know. Do you think or... they have bees in Russia? <laughs> Well, you know, do they believe in global warming in Russia? Probably not. So <laughs> the All bees right. might be dead. The bees might be dead. They might be dead here in America soon, too. Um, and well, that's like in okay. North Carolina with the spraying for uh, Zika. <laughs> uh, so anyway, th- th- there weren't a ton of new books out between the, the last few recordings. Um, there were actually new Champions and Avengers books. Um which we talked about at length last time out, so I figured we should do that. they're both great. Yeah, they're both great. Um, 2099, Spider-Man 2099 is still kicking, and, and Dan, like, I don't know. This book isn't bothering me lately, and and I don't know if that means that I'm just, like, lowering the bar or what, but, like, this whole connection with the Fist and Elektra and, like, kind of, like, this this mystery angle and and Miguel teaming up specifically with Electra, I feel there's a fun dynamic there. Um, do you have any thoughts on this storyline currently, or do you are you just so done with this book? I'm so done with this book. I, <laughs> like, I, it's funny because you're telling me what happened in it. I'm like, oh yeah, that is going on. Like the minute I put this book down, I forget what happened in this book. It is. Like, I agree, it's nice that it's kind of all coming back together and working towards what seems to be an eventual end. There's just so much nonsense going on. I, I can't, I just, I can't keep it, it straight anymore. Liz Allen is back. I don't know what she's been up to. Last time we saw her was probably 20 plus issues ago. I guess she's working for Alchemax. Great. Don't forget, Ty, Ty Stone is around too. Yeah, yeah, he's a character that exists apparently. He, he's there. So, in other words, you can't wait for Peter David to write Ben Riley. No, <laughs> no, I, I can wait. I can wait all. I mean, that is not for sure, but. Uh, but that's strong... the thing. You know, say what you will about everything, but like, I feel like in, you know, we were talking about this earlier about in a vacuum not in a vacuum like in a vacuum i actually do like peter david's writing when he's like making like linking all these things together and making it work it's just it's unfortunately i feel that this book itself and and by proxy peter david and and will sliney um 
they just get so tangentially off. And I don't know if it's because of mandated crossovers or what, but it's like this, this is such an incredibly unfocused book. Um, but when it does maintain its focus for more than just one or two issues at a time, I actually find it to be quite good. Um, so I don't know what that ultimately means for the next Peter David book or this Peter David book, but, um, you know, the, 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 the ability to spin a yarn is to me still there. Unfortunately, it's just like, I don't know. It just seems so, it takes so little to knock it off course. I feel the same way about this book as I felt about his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, uh, title. It's just, that had like, you know, all the various, you know, future Spider-Man and, and Uncle Ben's from alternate dimensions. I feel like he's got, like, again, he's got all these crazy ideas, and they're fun to read, for sure. I Yeah, like you said, it can, you know, it, just as soon as you feel like you understand something, you're going down a completely different direction. And this is all, like, couched within some A story you haven't touched on, on in, like, 40 issues that, like, if you give him the benefit of the doubt, he will get back there. Uh I, I don't know if he loses people along the way. His book still sells pretty well. So people are waiting to see that resolution. Yeah. Which is just, I, I find to be odd because it's like, I, I, I don't know who's still buying this book. I don't know anybody besides you and I who talks about this book still then. It just seems so inessential. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was a period where, where I, 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 not that I felt that this was the best book of the lot, but like, you know, it was just so amazing that we finally had 2099 back again. And, and that was like two years ago now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's – is that the, the extent of our B-book review? <laughs> I mean that's the only title that came out other than those Avengers books. Uh, and I thought those were great. I mean the Kang stuff is so much fun. Yeah, Kang is Kang is one of my favorites. I always I, I I had when I was writing for What Culture Dan, I had a running joke that Kang was always great, um, and I still maintain that thought. And I I still think Champions is great too. I I would urge people to read Champions. Um, I know I think you're a little less into it than I am, but just like you know, as a general rule, I think like this is kind of like the youthful. Um, counterculture book that um, we've been waiting for in that regard. Yeah, I think I think Champions in this third issue has really kind of found its voice for what it's going to be doing. I just get a little uncomfortable when like superheroes go in to solve real world problems without like it being a thing. You know, like I'm going to go liberate you know women in Muslim right. culture, and it's like. Right. I feel like it kind of does a disservice to all the people that are working and dying to do that in the real world by, like, kind of snapping your fingers to solve it. Um, right. It's just kind of weird to me. It's not that I don't like it. I just – it makes me a little uncomfortable. And I – yeah. You're you're not far off on that, Dan. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Why don't you take us home, Dan? 
Yeah, uh, well, of course, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com or find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most recently on YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on the air. It's been a while since we've gotten one, so you know, please keep them coming. If you have any opinions on the comic we talked about today... Or any questions, please be sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com or call us at 9RedGoblin, which, you know, is not going to be a cool thing anymore because I was not right about the man in red being the goblin. Uh, <laughs> or tweet at us with the hashtag okay to print, and we'll read and address those on the air as well. Yeah, you lose, Dan. Uh, also, be sure to check out both our Facebook pages and subscribe to our brother podcast, The Ultimate Spin, to keep up with the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales. And also, don't forget to check out the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Talk Members Club that helps support our show and allows you to win great prizes like the giveaway we did last week. Um, on next week's show, Mark, we're going to be talking about Amazing Spider-Man number 22, which is the backstory to how Ben Riley became the man in red. So I know that there's a lot of uh, anticipation and, uh, st- I guess, high stakes. And Deslot's got a lot to prove in one issue. So uh, I hope you'll be there to join us for that discussion next week. Yeah, or or roundabouts next week since we're going to be running up against the Christmas holidays next week. Yes, so, you're uh, right. That is true. So we'll get um, to it eventually. Just yeah, bear with us, people. Bear with us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and remember, it's the holidays, and we travel and see family and try and do things. <laughs> you mean this isn't what we do, Mark? We don't trap ourselves in a room all year and talk Spider-Man comics. If it was that simple, Dan, life would be easier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, where can we read more about you on the Internet? Yeah, well, of course, you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog, and you can find me on our wonderful, wonderful website, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Check out The Lost Gems. Check out my review of Amazing Spider-Man number 22. And, um, you know, just check out all the other wonderful things. And check out my old archives at uh, Chasing amazingblog.com and and of course uh you know go to amazon.com and pre-order my book 100 things spider fans spider-man fans must know or do before they die it's coming people in june but you can order it now it makes a good christmas gift and there's a big link on superiorspidertalk.com for that book yeah so do it do it people do it now now anyway where are you on the internet, Dan? Oh, thanks for asking, Mark. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, come on. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at, at SupSpiderTalk or, as Mark, Mark said earlier, at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Wishing you all a potential Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever. Who knows when the next show is going to be? We will be finding out soon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, Mark. Yeah. You know, we haven't talked much lately. That's a lie. Yeah, I know. But uh, I hear (laughs) your Uncle Ben is doing just fine. You know, he's trimming his roses for the holidays, making his ties as gifts. Yeah. He even went to the zoo. Mob ties. Yeah. (laughs) Mob ties, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, you guys go to the zoo and you saw the chimpanzees there. 
and yeah. uh, and he was hanging out with his friend Jimmy. Uh, Joey. You know, nothing could possibly go wrong with that. Do you just want to tell me about his favorite quote and call it a day? Everything seems to be going so fine. Yeah, it's a great day. Um, you know, he he was trimming his roses, and you know, he had to sharpen his his shears, and and he did, and nothing happened. Um, and then, um, you know, when we were at the zoo, um, he went to go throw a couple of peanuts at the monkeys. And, um, you know, as he was throwing the momentum of the throw kind of almost took him over the gate into the pen. Harambe, no, Nah, he's fine. Nothing happened. Come on. Like, you see how high those gates are. And even even Most Jimmy the Elbow, like, you know, like the mob ties, Jimmy the Elbow, you know, he made him a great tie. And Jimmy was like, you know, this is exactly the tie I was looking for for the holidays. Uncle Ben, I'm going to let you be. No, no horrible death this week. And Uncle Ben was like, Phew. Um and then, you know, so Uncle Ben decided to take the bus to the to the grocery store to, um, you know, get some things. And no, he's not going to die. I'm not going to tell that story this week, people. Just just know that he's on the bus. And, uh, you know, he said, with great podcast must also come amazing spider talk. And then the bus went on fire and he died. Don't, don't miss the next. Thank you.